Welcome to Awaken Life Church podcast. For more information about our church, please visit awakenlifechurch.net. We hope you enjoy this message by Daniel Willett. So I feel like the Lord gave me a, a prophetic word for the church, so I want to release that this morning. So this is what I feel like God gave me. Um, the best days, and this is uh, for you individually, you can grab onto it, and also for the church in general. So the best days of your life are yet to come. So if you want to grab onto that, grab onto that one. We don't need to fear the future, but we can actually get excited about the future and the church's finest hour is ahead of us. Amen? Let me say it again for those of you that are writing it down. The best days of your life are yet to come. We don't need to fear the future, but we can actually get excited about the future. And the church's finest hour is ahead of us. Amen. So I've been in the book of Daniel this week. I love the book of Daniel. And uh, not just because my name is Daniel. But I think it's an awesome book, very inspiring. And the book of Daniel uh, centers around Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And by the way, did you know that uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that's not actually their real names? Their real names are Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. And as they were taken captive, like this whole period of the book of Daniel, it's one of the darkest times in Israel's history. And as uh, Hananiah, Azariah, and, and Mishael were taken captive, they actually changed their names. And so listen to what their names mean. This is really interesting. Hananiah means this, God is gracious. Mishael means this, who is like God? And Azariah means this, God has helped. So these are amazing names and they're very uh, obviously, like as they were coming in and taken captive, these are like obviously very Jewish names that actually in the names themselves are giving honor to God. And I'm gonna talk about that in a second. And so they wanted to immediately changed their names, and they changed their name. Well, actually, let me back up a second. So these are really great names, and there's actually even a deeper meaning in their names. So you know when we say hallelujah, we say hallelujah? Well, it's not just a, a funny religious word that we use and we say when we want to seem spiritual. It's actually uh, has a deep meaning to it. So the word hallelujah means, hallelu means praise be to. Yah is short for Yahweh. So literally, when you say the word hallelujah, you're saying praise be to Yahweh. And so the reason I bring that up is because, so hallelujah has J-A-H at the end, and it's short for Yahweh, but we know Yahweh is Y-A-H. But also when you see I-A-H in a name, and specifically a Jewish name, it's actually referring to Yah. So like the name Jeremiah has Yahweh in the name, and it means um, Yahweh has, has exalted, is what Jeremiah means. So actually, <coughs> right in their names, we have uh, Hananiah, which I said means God is gracious. It literally means Yahweh has been gracious. Azariah has Yah in it again. It means Yahweh has helped. So this is what their names were changed to, and their name changes was an attack against their identity. 
was actually a direct attack against who God says they are and who God named them. So this is what their Babylonian names mean. Shadrach means worshiper of the moon god, or it also means servant of sin. Meshach means belonging to Aku, who is the moon god. Abednego means servant, servant of Nebo, the god of wisdom. So these were direct attacks against the names that they were given. So how many understand the enemy wants to give you a different name than the one that God has given you? The enemy wants to rename you and give you a different identity. And it's not just about the actual name, but how many know that, you know, like in the name Azariah is Yahweh and in the name Hananiah is Yahweh, but how many know that inside your name, whether it's in your actual name or not that your parents named you, but inside your name and your identity is the word Yahweh because of who you are in Christ. So inside of your identity, you have Yahweh, amen? So don't let the enemy give you a name or an identity that God has not given you, amen? Stay grounded in who God says you are. If you've received Jesus, God calls you beloved. He calls you son. He calls you righteous, saint. He calls you child of God. This is your identity. This is who God calls you. One of the key points in the identity message is not attaching what you do to who you are. How many know the enemy will always try to attach what you do to who you are? The enemy will tell you, you did this bad thing because you are a bad thing. You have a desire for this thing because that's who you are. That's your identity. He always wants to attach like what you've done, your mistakes, your failures, where you fell short. He wants to immediately come in and, and attach it to your identity and say, this is who you are. But God is always bringing you back to who he says you are. He's like, no, what do I say about you? Who do I call you? And he calls you son and righteous. When you act out, when you sin, when you make a mistake, you're actually acting outside of your identity. You're actually not acting like yourself. So when we know that, when we know like, hey, I'm not my cravings, I'm not my desires, I'm not my mistakes, and when I'm in this place of doing these things, I'm actually outside of my identity. When we know that and we can recognize it, it's easy for us to step back into our identity really quickly. Be like, oh, I wasn't acting like myself over here. When I had that argument with that person, when I lost my temper, when I overate, when I looked at that thing, I was not acting like myself. And I can quickly come back over here and be like, Lord, I'm sorry. I was not acting like myself. Amen? That's important. Because if you get stuck in this thinking, thinking of like, well, I, I did this because I am this, it takes a whole lot longer to get back into your identity. Because the Lord has to start just bringing you back. And like, nope, that's not who you are. So if we know that quickly and we can identify it, it's really helpful. Okay, where are we at? Yeah, stay grounded in who God says you are. So the enemy will always try to attach your behavior or your issue with your identity. You are who God says you are. Amen? Above all else, regardless of what your occupation is, regardless of what you do, regardless of what someone else has called you or your behaviors are, you are who God says you are. So God will always bring you back to who he says you are. 
So the attempt of the Babylonians to change Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah's names is no different from how the enemy tries to change our names from who God says we are to something that he wants us to believe. It's no different. It's the same thing. So there's so many people in our world that are in bondage today and even many Christians in our culture because they've believed a lie that the enemy has told them about their identity, about who they are. And, and many times we see people have believed this, this lie, you get in this place and the enemy starts to tell you who he wants you to believe that you are. And many times people get so stuck in this that they erect strongholds that actually protect this lie. And they're like, no, I don't wanna hear an opinion that's different because I'm trying really hard to protect this lie. And it happens in churches, it happens with Christians too. Amen. The good news is this. Jesus said in John 8, 32, you will know the truth and the truth will set you in freedom. We need to have more faith in the power of God's truth to set us free than we do in faith in the enemy's lies to put us in bondage. Does that make sense? Did I say that right? You need to have more faith and what Jesus said, that you'll know the truth and the truth will set you free. You need to put your faith in that, that I have my faith in the power of the truth to set me free more than I do the enemy's ability to set me in bondage with his lies. Amen? I know, I, I know a pastor that the Lord spoke that to him because he was always like, Lord, am I in bondage? And he, he, he didn't realize it, but he had this like fear of like, man, I'm going to believe the lie of the enemy and I'm going to get, you know, sidetracked or I'm going to miss the call of God for my life. And the Lord spoke to him one day and said, I want you to have more faith in my power, my ability to speak to you than you do in the enemy's ability to deceive you. So the book of Daniel shows us four godly men who actually thrived during an extremely difficult time in their country's history. Would you mind handing me that water? First try. We did that once, and I think it just whizzed past me. And I was like, I can't let that stand. And we had to do it again, and I caught it a <laughs> second time. <laughs> This is really interesting. Um, it's a story about four godly men who thrived during an extremely difficult time in their country's history. And we're in a difficult time right now in our country's history. But it's nothing like where they were actually. They were actually taken captive. They were taken into another country, renamed. They were trying to indoctrinate them. And we see these men just thrive in amazing ways. And so there's a lot that we can glean from that because of the time we're in right now. So during a difficult time, these men thrived and they had favor with an ungodly king and an ungodly land. They had favor with an ungodly king and an ungodly land. Listen to this. In Daniel chapter one, Nebuchadnezzar, this ungodly king, his estimation of Daniel and Hananiah and Azariah and Mishael, his estimation was after he evaluated them, he goes, you guys are 10 times, you have 10 times more wisdom than my magicians and my wise men and my enchanters. 
that spoke to me. I believe in the Lord, in Christ, we can have 10 times more wisdom than the experts of the world because it's coming from heaven. I believe God wants to give Christians some of the most groundbreaking and amazing ideas. Amen? And so part of our destiny is pursuing God and what he's called us to do and actually asking for him to show us those deep things. Daniel 2.22 actually says, God, you're going to show me. You're the unlocker of secrets. You're going to show me the deep and the, 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 the mighty things. I'm butchering it, but Daniel 2.22. He's the revealer of secrets who reveals deep and hidden things. So God wants to reveal secrets to you. Amen. So we can have 10 times more wisdom than the experts because our wisdom comes from the Lord. 1 Corinthians 3.19 says this, for the wisdom of the world is foolishness in God's sight. So when we see the experts, like God's wisdom actually makes their wisdom look foolish and that's the wisdom that we have access to. So God will cause your wisdom to be greater than the wisdom of this world and he will give you favor with the ungodly kings of this world. So they were taken captive. They were under an ungodly king. They were unsure what was going to happen to their homeland or what might happen to them personally. But they thrived despite their circumstance because their hope and their trust was in God. I declare to you this morning that no matter what happens with the pandemic, no matter who's elected in November, you as a child of God are going to thrive. Keep your hope in the Lord. Amen? God is going to cause you to thrive. So we have Daniel who refused to stop praying three times a day. And you know what really uh, impresses me and, and is striking in this story is you see four men who really lost their fear of man. They just, they really don't fear man anymore. They really just fear God. They have a deep fear for God but they have lost their fear of man. So we have Daniel, he refused to stop praying. And then Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, they would not bow down to the king's idol despite the threat of death because their trust was fully in God. These men were fully convinced. God wants you to be fully convinced. When you're not fully convinced, that's where we have double-mindedness where you're like, well, God, I, I want to believe what you say. I kind of believe what you say, but there's also this report over here, and I'm not sure which one to reconcile, how, how to reconcile the two. We need to be fully convinced. God wants you to be fully convinced of he is who he says he is. You are who he says you are. He wants you to be fully convinced that his word is true. D despite if it's popular or not, his word is the, the center of truth. It's what we hold on to and we say, this is true. I want to be fully convinced of God's word. Amen? God wants you to be fully convinced. So the Bible says a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. And so something struck me when I was just meditating on that. If you want stability... Because a double-minded man, when we're stuck between two opinions and we're not sure, we want to believe the word, but we're kind of like, but CNN says this, but Fox says this, but, you know, this is what the polls say, you know, whatever it is that we're stuck on and we're stuck between two things. 
Like if you want to um, have more stability in your life, become fully convinced. Because a double-minded man is actually unstable in all his ways. So I want to read this, Daniel chapter 3, verses 16 through 18. This is uh, in response to King Nebuchadnezzar's demand to worship his idol or be burned alive. So he, he puts these three men in front of him. He hears this story. There's everybody's worshiping your idol except for these three men. It's, it's uh, Hananiah, Azariah, and Mishael. And he says, okay, bring them to me. And he's like, gives them another chance. He's like, okay, here you go. If you, if you bow when the, when the music's happening, if you bow, you're fine. Everything's gonna be fine. You can leave and walk out of this place. If you don't, we're, I'm literally gonna have you burned alive, like immediately, okay? So this is their response. I love this. One of my favorite few verses in Daniel. They replied to him, King Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. If we are thrown into a blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to deliver us from it. And he will deliver us from your majesty's hand. But even if he does not, we want you to know your majesty that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold you have set up. Their trust in God, it actually, if you know the end of the story, their trust in God, their ability to die for what they believed in, it actually impacted the whole nation of, of Babylon. It impacted the whole nation. After they survived, then the king does a, does a 360 and he's like, okay, anybody that doesn't worship that God, we're gonna throw them in the fire. <laughs> That's the kind of impact we can have when we're not double-minded. They were fully convinced. They were fully convinced. Yeah. Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah thrived during one of the hardest times in Israel's history. And right now, God is causing and is going to cause his people to thrive. Amen. God's blessing isn't limited by a worldwide pandemic. Amen? Some of you need to declare that to yourself when you start to hear the news and you're like, oh my gosh. Start to declare God's blessing isn't limited to a pandemic. Amen. So Steve Backlund, if, if you've been around here a while, you know that he's one of our favorites. Um, his teaching about laughing at lies like changed my life. And it really was one of the things that, you know, God was starting to break discouragement in my life. He was starting to break like hopelessness in my life. And it was really like the thing that took me finally completely out of discouragement and hopelessness. So he wrote an article about five years ago. Or I'm sorry, he wrote it in 2017, three years ago. And it was about five lies not to believe about world events. And I think it's far more relevant actually today than it was then. So I want to I talk about those. And he just wrote a small article, but I wrote down the five lies and I just kind of elaborated on them. So five not, lies not to believe about world events. Number one, I am a victim of what's happening around the world. It's a lie we don't want to believe about world events. I am a victim of what's happening around the world. So we can look at the pandemic, we can look at what it's done to our world and the effects of it and, and even the effects of maybe how people perceive it and we can feel like victims. 
but God's ability to bless you isn't limited by the coronavirus. I heard a testimony, I've heard testimony after testimony after testimony, and a lot of them in this church of people, Christians during this time who have just thrived. Like, I'm getting more clients. I just got a raise. Um, I just got a promotion. My business is taking off. I just talked to Ken uh, this morning, and he was like, we're, we're, we're in a hiring phase in our business. We're just like, we, we need to get more people. We don't have enough people. I've heard so many stories like that inside of our church and outside of our church. God is going to protect you. And one of the things that the Lord spoke to me really strongly when this thing first started happening was like, the church is going to be protected throughout this. We have nothing to fear. This is the church's finest hour. And, and how many people have heard of my toilet paper testimony? There's probably a few that haven't. Um, so I'll just share a short version of that right now. So in January, before the pandemic happened, we came home one day, and there's two huge boxes on our front porch, like two huge boxes, like this size. And we're like, what in the world? So we bring these boxes in. We open them. They're full of toilet paper. This was before the pandemic. They're full of toilet paper, baby wipes, and personal wipes. Full. Two boxes full. It was actually from Joy's sister. Uh, we just had a baby January 10th. Joy's sister, okay, don't get religious, stay with me. <laughs> Joy's sister, uh, her name's Helen. She lives in Oregon, we love her. Um, she's a perceiver, yeah. She woke up one morning and she goes, okay, this might sound strange, but I, when I woke up this morning, all I could think about was your family's butts. <laughs> and she goes, and then I knew what I was supposed to send you for, for, uh, to celebrate Isaac's birth. And, and so it's kind of a joke, but I believe the Lord put it on her heart. So literally, we have a, a cabinet in our pantry, and it was jammed full. It goes back about two and a half uh, feet, and it's probably about this high. It's jammed full of toilet paper. Like, we couldn't get more in. We actually filled that full, and we put it, you know, other places in our house. And so when the, when the whole toilet paper crisis of 2020 happened... <laughs> We had toilet paper coming out of our ears, and we were actually giving it away. And sounds funny, but I really feel like what God was saying to us in that moment was he's like, I want you to know that I got your butt covered. <laughs> I got you covered. And man, throughout this pandemic, I've been like, God's got us covered. He's got us covered. He's protecting everything that you care about, everything that is important to you, and he is going to cause you to thrive. Amen. If you're in a situation or a circumstance where you're not thriving, believe that God is going to thrive you. He's going to turn that situation around or he's going to cause you to thrive and believe that he's going to do it. Start to partner with what he says. God, I believe that you're going to cause your children to thrive. Grab the, there's so many great verses about not lacking. Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd. I will not lack. God, I'm not going to lack for finances. I'm not going to lack for what I need. I'm not going to lack for your presence and for, to experience you. Start partnering with what he says. Amen. So people are hungry for God right now. And if we have this victim mindset, if we're like, oh, woe is me because of all the things that are happening and, and you know, the world's against the church. If we, start, if we come under that victim mindset, we'll miss what God's doing. He's, this is actually a great time for the church. So is our faith for our future in God? Or is it in what's going to happen with a pandemic? 
Okay, stay with me on this next one, okay? Brace yourself. Stay with me. Is our faith in God right now? Or is our faith in who's getting elected in November? Okay, stay with me. I'm not saying that that's not important. It's absolutely important. I'm not saying that it doesn't matter. It does matter who gets elected. And I urge you to pray and ask God which candidate lines up with the word of God and God's heart for America. Okay? I'm not saying it doesn't matter. It does. What I'm saying is my trust is not in who gets elected in November. My trust is in Jesus Christ. He's the reason we're going to thrive. And God is going to cause believers to thrive no matter who is elected. So God wants to bring us out of any victim mindset. And I believe that today, I declared it in worship, but I believe God's setting people free today of victim mindsets. You know, sometimes we can partner with a victim mindset and we don't even really know it. But if you just have this feeling of like, man, there's just, it's just this war and like media's against me and, you know, these, this group is against me and this, the enemy is winning. If we start to feel like that, we can be coming under a victim mindset where we're like, oh no, like this is, my life is hard because of the world that I live in. So we can come into a victim mindset and I'm sure I've done it at times. But God wants to set you free of any victim mindset. So if you're feeling like a victim in the season or if you just don't feel victorious, I want to give you this scripture. This is a great scripture to help renew your mind. 2 Corinthians 2.14 says, But thanks be to God who always leads us in triumph in Christ and manifests through us the sweet aroma of the knowledge of him in every place. Let me read it again. Thanks be to God who always leads us in triumph in Christ. Wait a minute. Does that scripture work during a pandemic? Ha, 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 ha. <laughs> Thanks be to God who always leads us in triumph in Christ. God is going to lead you in triumph. Start to declare victory over the tough situations. Start to declare victory over the, the situations in your family, the situations in your work. Start to declare victory and declare that scripture. God, you're leading me into triumph. Declare that over our nation. God, you're leading our nation back to godliness and you're leading us in triumph. So number two lie not to believe about world events. Number two, there is no hope for our future. There's no hope for our future. Hope is a powerful force and if you lose your hope, you'll lose your influence. The person that has the most hope is actually going to be the most influential person in the room. And if you start to lose your hope, you're going to lose your godly influence because God is actually calling you to be full of hope and he's going to give you heavenly answers. If we lose our hope, we're not even able to see those heavenly answers that he's trying to give us. So we need to actually believe that we have, that God has the answer and he's going to show the church what to do at every moment. Romans 15, 13 says this, Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that you'll abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace. Here's the key. In 
believing? What are you believing? What are you believing about God? What are you believing about the, the pandemic? What are you believing about yourself? What are you believing about the circumstances around you? Because if you start to align your beliefs with what God is saying and what he has said, then you'll be full of hope. You'll be full of hope. When your hope meter is low, it's a good thing to do is to check your hope meter every now and again. Where's my hope right now? Is it low? A great question to ask the Lord is, when your hope meter is low, is, Lord, what am I believing wrong right now? Because when we align our belief with what God says, we'll have lots of hope. Romans 5.5 5 says this, hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out within our hearts through the Holy Spirit who is given to us. So the world will tell you, don't get your hopes up because you might be disappointed. I think even like, well, no, I won't go there. But the world will tell you, don't get your hopes up too high because you might get disappointed. Okay, do you realize in that verse I just read, Romans 5, 5, God is saying the exact opposite. He's saying, get your hopes up. I need you to, I need you to be the hope carriers of the world. Get your hopes up. Hope does not disappoint. The hope that you have in me, it's not gonna disappoint because the love of God has been poured out within our hearts through the Holy Spirit who is given to us. Get your hopes up and start dreaming with God. This is powerful. Um, you, it, this isn't about, like the power of positive thinking, okay? This isn't like, it's, it goes way beyond that. This is like actually start to partner with hope in your dreams and, and like start to dream big. Like, man, what could, what could God really do in my industry? Like, what could God really do in my family? Like, what could God really do in my life? And start to actually visualize it and believe for it and start to hope for it and say, if you don't have like your destination in mind, it's gonna be much harder to get there. It's much easier when you're like, this is, this is what I'm dreaming for. You're going to get there much quicker. Amen? Get your hopes up. Start dreaming with God. Ask the Holy Spirit. Invite him into that process. Holy Spirit, what do you see in my future? What do I need to partner with you? What do I need to start dreaming about? And it goes along with that word I gave the church, the best days of your life are yet to come. So partner with that. We don't need to fear the future, but we can actually get excited about the future and the church's finest hour is ahead of us. Line number three, I need to withdraw from society and just wait for Jesus to return. <laughs> I was hoping you guys would laugh at that. <laughs> you know, we, we, I'm glad that that's our response. That was my response when I first read it. But man, it's, it's been, uh, in our church history, we've, we've actually had a problem with that. And I'm not trying to down any movement or church, but we've actually had movements that that was the message. It was like, we're gonna, let's withdraw and wait this thing out because Jesus is coming tomorrow. You know, and if you've been in the church long enough, you've heard like the really crazy end of it. Like, hey, Jesus is coming in this date. Let's, go, let's all go run up our credit cards. Like that's like serious. That was a thing. <laughs> Whoopsie. <laughs> you gotta pay that bill. Got stuck with that bill. 
Christians need to jump into the game. Right now is time to enter full force into the game. I'm not talking about jumping into something that's not your gifting and calling, but you need to really have heart to heart with the Lord if you don't already know what you're called to do and really be like, Lord, where am I supposed to jump into the game? We need Christian politicians. Amen? We have a lot of people here that are, have that as a passion, and we're so proud of them, and we're behind them. We need Christians that are jumping into the game in politics. Christians need to get in the game. We need Christian influencers. We need Christian YouTubers. We need Christian musicians. We need Christian filmmakers. And it, and it has to be people that know who they are in Christ. It can't be people that are double-minded because then you can just get sucked into that the whole the negative side of all those things has to be people who are not double-minded like Daniel and like Azariah and Mishael guys that know who they are men and women who know who they are amen so God wants to guide us into finding our seat on the bus and impacting our world through Christ now's the time to engage Now's the time to jump in. Jesus, our Savior, he said, Matthew 5, 14, you are the light of the world. You are the light of the world. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. It's not the time to withdraw. It's not the time to hide ourselves, to self-protect. We need to actually engage. Now is the church's finest hour. The greatest revivals haven't happened yet. I firmly believe that. The greatest revivals have not happened yet. We can't be hidden. We can't hide Christ. We can't like, the, even that mentality, and it's like, again, I'm not downing anybody, but that mentality of like, okay, me and Jesus are gonna hide over here and we're okay. Like, no, Jesus wants to come out. Like, he wants to actually go and just pour out of you everywhere that you go. You wanna just start declaring over yourself, I'm gonna leak Jesus in Walmart. I'm gonna leak Jesus wherever I go in my professions. And watch it happen. Expect him to show up. If the room is really dark, it's because there's no lights on. And we are the light of the world. So Jesus said, you are the light of the world in Matthew 5, 14. And two verses later, he says this, Matthew 5, 16. Let your light shine before men in such a way that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. Amen. So as we partner with Holy Spirit and as we engage into what he's calling us to do, we're going to be shining the light of Christ and men are going to see our good works and they're going to look at us like Nebuchadnezzar and be like, why do you have 10 times more wisdom than the experts? What do you have? Amen. Number four lie that we can uh, not buy into around world events Number four, the devil is winning. Ha, ha, ha. Psalm 119.99, David says this, I have more wisdom and I have more insight than all my teachers for your testimonies, God, are my meditation. I have more wisdom and I have more insight than all my teachers because your testimonies, God, that's what I'm meditating on. If you want to grow in wisdom, meditate on testimonies. 
Meditate on testimonies. Testimonies reveal who God is. Testimony is like, it's, it's a, a event that happened that reveals who God is. It reveals his character. That's why we have our testimony wall over there that we just, we put up earlier in this year and that thing is gonna get filled. And by the way, some of you have testimonies that you need to put up on that wall. Like we have different categories, salvation, physical healing, inner healing, relationships, financial. Put your testimony up there because your testimony is not just for you. Your testimony actually prophesies to everyone else what's available. That's one of the things I foresee is people coming into this church and they're like, I need a breakthrough in physical healing. And they're going to go over there and just read those testimonies and say, Lord, if you did it for them, you'll do it for me. I need a breakthrough in finances, and they're going to just go read those testimonies and go, Lord, if you did it for them, you'll do it for me. Amen? Testimonies. David said, I've got more wisdom than my mentors, my teachers, because I just constantly meditate on what God is doing, what he's done. I meditate on the testimonies. So if you feel, why did I say all that? If you feel like the devil is winning, then I submit to you that you may be focusing more on what the enemy is doing than on what God is doing. If you feel like, man, it just seems like the enemy's winning, I submit to you, you might be focusing more on what's happening with the enemy than what God is doing. We need to focus on what God is doing. Amen? Focus. We have the word of God. We focus on what he's done. We focus on who he is. And we want to take testimonies that we have currently. We want to focus on those and say, this is what, who God is and this is what's available. So there's always things in life that you can be discouraged by. If we're waiting for everything to, to change, for us not to be discouraged, we'll never come out of discouragement. I need, you know, we can have this thought process of like, you know, I need people to be doing what I want them to be doing when I want them to be doing it for me to be happy. How many know you're never going to be happy with that? I need my politicians doing what I want them to do when I want them to do it for me to be happy, for me to be satisfied. There's always going to be something to be discouraged by. That's why we need to keep our focus on what God has done and what he is doing. When we focus on what God is doing, our paradigm shifts to, whoa, God is winning. <laughs> God is winning. Like, just folks, we spend the first part of our staff meeting, we actually got this from from Bethel. It's one of the things we adopted from them. The first part of our staff meeting, we just spend sometimes up to an hour just talking about testimonies. What, what happened? What happened last week in, in your lives? What happened in revival groups? What happened in church on Sunday? Like, what's going on? What's God doing? And we want to put the focus on what he's doing and what he's done. And then we're like, just excited. We're like, man, what's he going to do this week? Like, God's winning. <laughs> he's winning. So sometimes we need to spend more time meditating, or there's, there may be people here, and I've certainly been there, who need to spend more time meditating on what God is doing and on his word and less time on news and world events. How do, how do you know if that's you, by the way? How do you know if it's like, you know, because I'm not saying don't watch the news. I'm not saying don't be aware. I want to be aware of what's happening. Um, but how do you know if that's you that maybe, hmm, maybe my balance is a little too much on what's happening in world news than on focusing on what Jesus is doing? Well, this is how you know. Where's your hope meter? Where's your hope meter? If you're full of hope, you're probably okay. <laughs> you're probably balanced. If your hope meter's low, 
that's probably an indication that Lord is like, I want you to come over here. I want you to be so full of hope that when you hear about what's going on in the world, you're like, wow, that's another opportunity for Jesus to shine. That's another opportunity for Jesus to shine. God, what are you doing? So God wants us, again, it's not that we're not aware. We need to be aware. But I want to be meditating on what God is doing, what he's done, and be full of hope so that I can bring answers into what's happening in the world. Amen? Thank you. <laughs> if we focus on God, then, we, then we're prepared and we're equipped to bring the kingdom into the problem. That's the point. Again, we can err on that side of like, okay, I'm going to be just, it's all about Jesus, and I, no, I'm not going to look at that. <laughs> like, no, I want to be here. I want to be full of hope so that we can invade earth and we can be the light into the earth. Amen? Last lie I want to talk about today. I cannot thrive in life now, not during this time period. I can't thrive right now. So Proverbs 23, 7 says this. As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. A lot of translations actually say it this way. As a man believes in his heart, so is he. Those who believe that they will thrive no matter what happens will thrive no matter what happens. Like God, I've not, I'm not called to lack I'm not called to suffering. When the Bible talks about suffering, it's talking about persecution. Sometimes that message has been turned on its head and said, God's called us to lack and suffer, and like suffering in a, in a way of lack. And it's not talking about that. When the Bible talks about suffering, it's talking about persecution from the devil. God, I'm not called to lack. You said, Psalm 23, I shall not lack. You're my shepherd, I am following you, I am pursuing you, and I'm not going to lack. I'm not going to lack for your presence, for your goodness. I'm not going to lack for finances. I'm not going to lack to be blessed in my life and to be a blessing to other people. So those who believe that they will thrive no matter what will thrive no matter what. God is causing and will continue to cause his church to thrive just like Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah thrived in the worst of times. They like thrived. They had like favor with the king. The king was like, he put Daniel as in charge of like all of Babylon. He's like, you need to be in charge. <laughs> they thrived, amen. And God is gonna cause his church to thrive right now and he's gonna cause you to thrive. Listen to their name meanings again. Hananiah means God is gracious. I believe there's something prophetic for you this morning in their name meanings. God is gracious. I want to declare to you prophetically that God is giving you the grace to thrive during this time. He is giving you the grace. Grace is a double-edged sword. It's both uh, unmerited favor, the fact that you're in the family. You don't have to earn your way in the family. You're completely white as snow. You've been washed that's the one, one side of the sword. The other side of the sword of grace is that it's an empowerment to do everything that he's called you to do. So God is empowering you during this time. 
Mishael, his name means who is like our God. We don't live under the world's economy. We live under God's economy. Our trust is in him. Azariah's name means this. God has helped. And God is helping you to overcome any situation that you're in right now. God has helped. Yahweh has helped. And Daniel, the name Daniel means God is my judge. Don't worry about the world's estimation of you or what you believe or what you think. There's only one opinion that matters, and that's God's opinion. The people's opinions of you don't, don't matter. And we need to come into this place where we lose the fear of man and what people think about us, like Daniel and Azariah and Mishael and Hananiah. I'm not used to saying those names. We're all used to saying their other names. What is going to happen? We're, we're worried. We're afraid. We're, we're bunkering down. We're stocking up on food and water. And, and the Christians are like, man, we're excited to see what God is going to do. And we know that God is going to actually cause the church to thrive. And God's so good that he causes us to thrive so that we can invite all those people who are in fear and who are outside of Christ into the party. Like, hey, come over into the party. Amen. Amen.